All right, this is John. And this is Sean. And this is Movie Night with Sean and John. <laughs> check, check, check one, two. How's it going out there, guys? Yeah, welcome to uh, Movie Night, our Ep- movie review part podcast. five, episode five. <laughs> yeah, um, we're going to talk about some some uh, some movies tonight, <laughs> as we tend to do. Um, what do we got? We got uh, a simple favor. Yeah, uh, we're going to do a simple favor. We're going to do Mandy, and then we're going to do Fahrenheit eleven nine. Yeah, so pretty pretty decent batch of films this time. We're kind of switching it up because there's not one of these movies that's just. Terrible. So bad that <laughs> that it's like laughable. <laughs> so a little bit of a switch up, but uh, we're also a day late, so switching yeah. it up on a on a few <laughs> things. <laughs> we called an audible. Uh, now <laughs> you will hear this on Monday if you are listening. Um, did we have like a, a spiel that we were going to do this time, or you just want to get right into this? I think we just dive in. Okay, let's do it. So a simple favor. First thing we're going to talk about: Paul Feig. Yeah. Yeah, so directed by Paul Feig. He did some episodes of, like, The Office. Yeah, he did uh, a few episodes of The Office. He did Freaks and Geeks. Bridesmaids. Yeah, Bridesmaids, Ghostbusters 2016. The remake, right, right. Um, so, I mean, you know his... things. Yeah, you know his track record. Um, some of that, I think, is, like, very good. Like, Bridesmaids is amazing. Uh, Office, one of my, you know, maybe the best show ever. He did g- some good episodes. Because right I even there. looked to see if he did, like, the, the right. more boring seasons, but he did like the michael scott stuff Stuff, yeah the prime time uh so yeah he's done some great stuff um there was a lot of stuff to like about this movie i think but why don't you run through the yeah uh, synopsis let's synopsis of this one so basically uh blake lively plays a uh young mother who uh has some kind of a past it's kind of implied that she's like more wild and then anda kendrick plays her best friend stephanie who is more subdued and like uh, much more mild-mannered, and the two of them are like unlikely friends, but eventually Blake Lively's character, Emily, goes missing, and Anda Kendrick's character, Stephanie, is like the person to kind of put all the pieces together. Right, Something right. Something like that, right? Yeah, and then there's a, there's a husband who may be a suspect, and so it's a... This this is the part of the movie that, that frustrated me, was that it, it felt like the advert... It was advertised to me as a thriller. Yeah, like Gone like, Girl... Yeah, it, it something seemed like, it seemed like that. To yeah, me, very much in that lane, like a suspense thriller. Um, that's gonna kind of keep you guessing as far as who is responsible, where did she, this person go, what's her past like, who is she really? Uh, kind of like searching, and that's yeah. There were parts of this that reminded me of that, like just even the presence of the webcam and the web series, and some of it taking place on the computer. Yeah, uh, Anna Kendrick has like a, a blog. Yeah, like she a has like blog. a yeah, like a stay-at-home mom kind of a blog where she talks about dishes and and cooking, cooking and and, 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 you know, and so she's revealing information to like her followers as right. she's getting stuff. Right, so that's it, it reminded me of searching kind of in that way that just that part of it was taking place on the computer, right, uh, or via social media or whatever. But um, I don't know. I think it, it. I say that it was advertised as a thriller just to say that it felt more like a comedy when they finally got to it. Like or when I once I was sitting down in the theater, I was like, "Well, I guess this is a comedy because it's like, like a comedy with thriller elements, yeah. rather than like a thriller that had a few comedic." <laughs> but honestly, parts. I it felt like it it wasn't really 
either. It kind of felt like it couldn't make up its mind as to what it wanted to be, or maybe they wanted to make something that's wholly original, so it's like this this perfect blend or whatever. But to me, it didn't really read that way. Like I just remember thinking, like, yeah, this is pretty good, but like the some <laughs> of the comedic timing to me didn't quite add up with the tone of the movie yeah. and the tension that they were like. Okay, it's supposed to build tension, and we're supposed to be wondering what's going on, but the whole time it's kind of also a joke. So it's like. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, I I felt like that too. So the the I think if anything, the comedic element is what holds it back. You think because so? it's kind of awkwardly written, and I think that's kind of Paul Feig's style, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, um, but like, there's an ongoing joke where Blake Lively is calling Anna Kendrick a uh, brother fucker, and <laughs> it just in <laughs> in a serious like suspense thriller when you're looking yeah. for a missing person right. to keep having the phrase brother fucker right. thrown out like five or six different times you're right and it yeah. just I, I at certain points i was just like what is yeah i think i just, thought it was odd. i thought it was both funny and entertaining and like entertaining as a thriller but and that's all sounds like good stuff but it didn't add <laughs> up to like the way that you might think it would if that chemistry had just been uh, refined, like dialed a in bit. a little bit but more. That's just that's just me. I mean, I think if you're fans of Paul Feig uh, or Anna Kendrick or Blake Lively or some of these people stick out to you as y- you enjoying their stuff. I mean, they were all, everyone was pretty on point as uh, their performances were were pretty good. Yeah, um, I just think it was a matter of like direction and some writing to me that made it feel like I just didn't quite know what to make of it at the end of it. I thought it was pretty good, uh, but it didn't it didn't uh, kind of cross over into great for me. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say like I'm not I'm not a big fan of Paul Feig's work, and I'm like kind of familiar with it. Yeah, but like Bridesmaids was written by Tina Fey, and I feel like that's the strength uh, of it yeah that's a huge part of why it, why right. it's so successful, successful and yeah. so funny because Ghostbusters the remake was terrible yeah and he had a heavy hand in that movie yeah and this kind of to me like mirrored some of that where it seemed like some of it was kind of improv and it wasn't scripted like some of the comedic parts yeah I, I mean it felt a little bit like fast and loose and I think that's the idea or the style of it but it's just weird in your thriller movie to have like those moments it was just a, yeah the the, the 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 mix of it the blend of, of those two kind of I don't know that I've seen another movie like that where it has like a really serious and think, element yeah. and then it's played I, so lightly I'm sure that was probably part of the idea but uh, I, I don't know I'm gonna go with three stars for a simple favor I think it was good it was entertaining. It was enjoyable. Um, all that sounds like great stuff, but it just didn't add up <laughs> to, to me to be to be more than that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's worth seeing, worth checking out. And if you're a fan of Paul Feig or Anna Kendrick or Blake Lively, uh, you might find something there <laughs> you like. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I guess I'd agree. It's not bad. It's more like good than bad. It's, that's the way it's I like saw it. So slightly better than decent, so I, I'm not gonna say I totally hated it. It's like, not bad. I, yeah, I enjoyed it, um, but it's not a movie I'm ever gonna watch again. Probably. Right, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I did think the kids were kind of funny. So Blake Lively's son, yeah. at one part, um, I can't remember what Anna Kendrick says to him, but he's like, "You're not my mom. Fuck you!" Yeah, <laughs> and just screams at her. <laughs> like he was kind of my favorite part. Is just this little, uh, this Ball little wild energy. kid. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess go see it. Well, yeah. Wait, let's, it. Time out. Let's talk. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but this was this is, this movie's kind of weird. You know, it's real weird. Like basically, you know, it kind of oh, I can't reveal too much, but you know, Blake Lively's character is missing 
and Enda Kendrick's character becomes very involved with uh, her best friend Emily's family and, and the her husband kids that was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, and he did a very good job in both of these movies, uh, Henry Golding. Yeah. Uh, but so all that to say there's this weird kind of a thing happening between her family and Stephanie, played by Anna Kendrick, like kind of substitution mom deal. Yeah. And some of that gave me odd. creepy vibes. And I know that's the intent, but it just didn't make me feel like good creepy. It was just kind of like, man, this just, movie's just kind of like bizarre that this is advancing the way that it is, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't read for me. It, but, uh, you know, still still worth seeing. So I, not terrible. Yeah, uh, not I bad. Think from either one of there us. There was just a little bit of awkwardness there. I guess that's what I'm trying to describe. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, three stars for me. What are you going with? I'd go with the same. Okay. But while we're talking about creepy and awkward, <laughs> <laughs> maybe transition into our next movie. Yeah. Mandy, which might be Set this one up. secretly genius. I don't know. Set this one up. Okay, uh, Mandy, actually, plot-wise, Mandy's pretty simple. Yes. Mandy is a new revenge thriller mm-hmm. um, by director Panos Cosmatos. Yep. Uh, starring also Nick did, Cage. What was the other movie that he did you were telling me about? Uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Right. It's kind of a midnight movie. I got a copy of it from uh, Wired Up. Remember that yeah, spot? Yeah, yeah. I, got, I bought that a couple years ago, but I'd cool. never heard of him. I thought it was a fake name, but wow. he's a real person. Anyway, yeah, get into this. It. <laughs> is a, a revenge thriller starring Nick Cage, and this yeah. is balls to the wall, crazy. crazy. And you know, we've I think I've used the term like, ah, oh, you know, I wish they would just take it completely off the rails, or let's just like lose it. This kind of goes was there. That. Yeah, it no, it it absolutely goes there. Um, so I think people are either gonna love this movie, or they're just not gonna get it at all. Uh, and I think that's kind of obvious just from like the trailer, you yeah. know. But I will say, um, man, it, w- it seemed to have a great deal of intent, and I, th- I think so too. And thought behind it, and I do think I think when what Sean's trying to describe when he says something like, "Is there a secret genius there?" is because so much of what you sc- see on screen is kind of paced like extremely deliberately and and yeah. like really excessive. You know, I think is, yeah, is a good it's word. A, it's a slower burn, but it's but when all it's on, purposeful. And when it's on, it's like way on. And then when yeah. it's dialed back, so there's there's a lot of dynamic, which uh, is is a I think a plus in the end that, that it's dynamic as as it is. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it I couldn't quite get my head around some of the pacing. I felt like I got that it was like an artistic statement and that he, this was his, the vision that he had for this film. And well, I can, I can, I can see myself as in that position being like, no, there's not a single shot that, that yeah, is this not, is my film. Yeah. This is my idea. And that's, so that's the kind of movie that this is. But to me, that's the only shortcoming. And I say like the only shortcoming is I felt like it dragged a little bit. And I felt like, um, that there was something distilled down a little bit. There is something like, almost flawless in there you know and just and just remarkable in like every way and that was the only thing that stuck out to me what do you think i think it was all deliberate and it was all very intentional so a little bit of background on cosmos on uh panos cosmatos you got the director and writer of this film he is the son of george p cosmatos the italian director who directed cobra with sylvester stallone rambo part two also with sylvester stallone and then do a drum roll and then (laughs) Tombstone. What? His dad directed Tombstone. Oh, and I if you look at uh, Panos's IMDb, his first credit is like 
the secondary like an extra or, or no he's, no he's he's, he's, he's on the film crew wow, but he's on so... like the second yeah strand crew yeah but um i think there's a lot a of reveal. yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't i've been know hiding that. this from you for yeah. the past few days let's just yeah let's preface that because i genuinely <laughs> did not know that was coming in tombstone is like one of my favorite movies for whatever reason like i just love that movie um man that's interesting and so i guess i could see that because it, it i feel like it's uh it, it shows a certain skill level or understanding of film the entire time because it right. is so cinematic that i i can see him being a part of a family that is a part of that industry and he's kind right. of grown up around it just because it seemed so kind of uh well executed like almost masterfully executed for the the visual quality of the movie is without question it's like this is something you've never seen before it's right. set it's up confident. every f- single frame is is uh could be observed as like a photo like yeah, just a standalone piece man it, uh, so that, that I mean there are a lot of strengths to this movie uh, almost all strengths you know but it is a kind of uh it's kind of insane you know that's what kind of mo- like this revenge fantasy as a genre is kind of off the walls already. So I just feel like you're either going to love it or you're going to be like, I don't get it. And there was part of me initially on that first viewing that I was as just as far as the pacing, I was thinking like, man, I, I think they could have, you know, cut this up a little bit, but I, I, I think it warrants seeing kind of again and again. And that's another one of the strengths of it is that I find, I found myself the next day thinking about it. It was kind of like, hypnotic in the way that so we watched it together on thursday yeah and then last night i, I actually wish we could went have seen back. this in the theater that's the, yeah it only this only ran for like a week and a half in the theater and yeah. it only played at one theater in houston so we both missed it but we checked it out thursday night and then yeah. i was kind of thinking about it like the imagery was like burned into my brain all day uh yeah. yesterday and so i actually went back and watched it last night and i don't think i've ever done that like watched the same movie two days in a row right but um, I feel, <laughs> but the first time we were drinking some beers, uh, like we are now, and I wasn't, maybe I wasn't dialed fully in. dialed yeah. in. I and agree. I feel like watching it the second time with no one else around, um, just by you, myself, yeah. I picked up more and it, it flowed better. I yeah. knew what to expect. I, I think you're right in that it absolutely justifies a second viewing. Yeah. Like this absolutely. is the kind of movie that you're going to see one time. Like, and I felt this way about Hereditary too. And, I, and Hereditary is one of my favorite movies of the year so far, so that's that's pretty high praise. But, like, it, it, there were some s- very satisfying images in both movies just as far as, like, things that you hadn't quite seen on screen before. And there's a scene at the end of this. This was, like, breaking new grounds. This is stuff I've never seen There was a scene at the end of this movie uh, that really was uh, pretty, pretty um, singular. Like, I just, I don't know that I've ever seen that something that rewarding at the tail end of a movie like this before man the you know uh, which part i'm talking about where they're in the temple well no yeah this oh, the very oh end. yeah yeah, yeah. So, so and the, and the effects Nick, the practical effects in this movie are the, amazing the effects are awesome uh nick cage is, is his girlfriend his lady friend is kidnapped yes. by a cult. It's his wife, right? I mean, they're are they are they, they live together? Okay. I don't know if it's well, they're his wife. together. They're partners in the film, and his and wife is kidnapped. Right by a cult that that very closely mirrors like the Manson cult. Yes. Uh, there's a scene when he brings the cult leader brings kidnaps Mandy and brings her back to his house, and he's he puts on his own record on his record oh. player, 
That's and right. he's like, you like the Carpenters? This is way better. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like how in real life Charles Manson was like a failed musician. And LSD. And he was obsessed with the Beatles. And, yeah, and, and they're and LSD. The fact that LSD was involved. He calls in them kind pigs, of... which is a direct reference from uh, Charles Manson. So there's a lot of like yeah. cult imagery. Homages, yeah. Uh, the opening quote of the film was actually like the last words of a death row inmate in Texas. Really? Yeah, it was like, when I die... Uh, it's something about put two speakers by me and rock oh, and yeah, roll yeah, me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that's that. like the the last words of like this death row inmate. So there's a lot of like really cool imagery well, and the, stuff that he picked from all kind of different places. The only reason I mentioned the LSD is because I do think it was actually pretty critical to the to the movie, like that yeah. they made a point to repeatedly come back to uh, LSD as a product to like or or as a potential. Uh, way for people to kind of sync up in mind together and that he had this entire cult kind of obeying his every wish and it seemed like LSD was pretty involved in that and they even had a special blend for her <laughs> that they like put in her eye directly you know what I'm talking about? I love so, that. Like, so LSD was definitely a part, uh, it was introduced pretty early on in the film that like oh there's there's an LSD manufacturer and there's the, you know there's a cult and they, they are using LSD in this way because the movie is visually so like uh, yeah, exploratory and and um, there's a lot of stuff. The color correction is just completely unique to this movie. There's I've animated never seen segments. I've never seen anything like the color correction that I saw in this movie. I mean, maybe something like Sin City approaches that kind of extreme, uh, uh, you know, just kind of using that very extreme palette with color correction. But this, I feel, was more tasteful and just further. Go- it went further in that direction. Uh, yeah, I think visually I it's think just we kind of one of a kind. We were talking about the other night. Uh, it kind of has r- like a reminiscent feel of like an Alejandro Jodorowsky film. Yeah, I could see or like that. a David Lynch film. This is a midnight movie. It's a midnight movie. And it's not movie, for everybody. Yeah. But some of the stuff in this movie is groundbreaking. Like the audio, um, uh, the sound design. So when there's yeah. a, a few different parts in the movie where some characters are talking, and, and one of them overdubs, is hallucinating. Yeah, yeah, he overdubs the vocals. Yeah. And distorts one of and, them. And like pitch shifts it down. Yeah, and it sounds, and it sounds so mm. cool. Yeah. There's I, some, I've, I've never really seen stuff like that in a movie. There's some kind of revelatory stuff in there. There yeah. is. And and you can't you can't uh and as we're talking about it, I feel like I I, I wanna see you it. You wanna again go watch more. it again. Yeah, so I mean my initial response, I was thinking like a three and a half star review for this movie, but I I feel like because of um how we're talking about it, and just my desire to see it again—that it probably is like a four-star movie, just because it—it—it it, it seems like even just talking about it now, I'm like, oh man, but I, there were some things that I'd never seen before, and I just want to go watch it again. And that—that yeah. that doesn't happen with every movie, like at all. There's so much of this stuff that we that I see, and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't care to see that again. But it was right. a movie that even initially I thought I might not care to see it again, but then the next day, and now two days later, I'm still like, man, I want to. So watch even that again. before we talked about it last night you were kind of thinking about it during yeah the day. i was already thinking about during work i was like man i i, I kind of like wish i could see it again and just really pay strict attention because i, I had the I do same feel that the environment also it only hindered it and i still got a lot out of it because and it's not like i mean we watched it at an apartment on like a nice tv but it's still it just doesn't have the same like when we when you're with friends in their apartment and it feels almost like home, it just doesn't have the same 
Right. Like, it's, it's not the same viewing. You're drinking beers. You're it's not taking the same experience. breaks and snacking yeah. and stuff. It's not the it's, same experience as it would be in the theater. And that right. was only a limitation for it as far as, like, viewing it. So, I, yeah, I, I'm going to go with four stars. And I, I think that's a revision over what I was originally thinking. But I do think just based on my desire to see it kind of again and know that I'll watch it again in the future is it bumps it up there for me. Man, I I really want to – okay, so we talk so much about uh, franchise movies know, and how much it, it Maybe hurts three and a the half market. Is right on the money. You're going to say three and a half? I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. But there's so many big budget, $200 million blockbuster movies that just sell out theaters for right. months. Right. And here's a guy that's made one other movie that nobody saw. Right. It wasn't a huge success. It was pretty poor. Uh, this yeah. movie was produced by Legion M, which is totally fan funded. So Elijah yeah. Wood is one of the executive producers. He kind of stepped in because he was a fan of uh, Panos's other movie, Beyond right. the Black Rainbow. And it's so they had a couple key producers, but but the most part of the funding he came had from free self funding. Right. It was yeah. it was all fan funded yeah. for the most part. Uh, the music was done by Johan Johannesson, who actually just died uh, earlier this year. But and you said he did like Prisoners and Arrival, Sicario and, stuff. and Arrival. So He's done some really some big stuff movie. with Villain You, who we yeah. also like. And a so lot. a lot of the fan, that fan funding went to getting like big, you know, bigger names so attached to the Nicolas project. Nicolas Cage, yeah, yeah. But this is a director that was not told what to do by a huge studio. Right. Did not have to reshoot his movie, recut. He didn't stand down to anybody. He right. had a vision and a statement, and he made and it. He saw it through, yeah. And I want to really just back those people because in this day and age, there's it's so corporate, and it's a yeah. business. No, and you're all right. they want to do is right. remake shit forever, it was, do franchise movies forever, and yeah. these kind of movies are the movies that kind of get swept under the rug. And you're I right. really, you're really right. just want to support people like this. And I, I do think... Um, there was something like wholly original about yeah, absolutely. Mandy, uh, and 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 it is unlike anything you will have ever seen. I mean, it's there are hypnotic. elements like it really and is. almost meditative in a way. It seems yeah. like, uh, but then I, Nick Cage's stuff is so surreal and so it, I, it hits was, on these different levels. Yeah, no, and it there's does. Three different uh, parts, I guess, to the story. There's right. different segments that are there's named almost like differently. like three mini films in there. One major film and two mini films. Right. So there's almost. like Shadow Mountain is the first Children one. Children of the New Dawn. Children of the New Dawn. And then the Mandy title card comes in about over halfway an through. hour into yeah, the movie. Yeah, about halfway through. So, so the Mandy like part of the movie is really just the end. In a, a very original uh, sense of of time and pacing and, yeah, and how they were really going to articulate those things. So yeah, this was, I mean, what what would you settle on? I really want to give it a, a high rating. Um, I'm going to go with four stars. You're going to go with four? Yeah. I'm going to go with four stars, and I'm going to say absolutely go see this. There is some stuff in this uh, film that you will have not seen anywhere else before, and the practical effects, and, and just the kind the, – the, if, if you're a movie person like we are, and you like midnight yeah. movies, this is going to be – it's going to take you all the way there. But that's the thing. Like, I kind of want to also – um, recommend it to people that aren't into it and just 
be like, this no, is what, this is what we it. could do yeah, everyone if we weren't held it. back by big studios. <laughs> this guy had free reign. <laughs> I want to give it a 4.5. That's awesome. And that might that might shock you. I don't think so. I mean, it's not a perfect movie, no, but it, it, it was just so out there yeah. and original and yeah. different. And, and, and we're still talking about it. It just didn't comply it. With, yeah. with the traditional standards of a regular film. And we're still talking about it. And I think when, when we first started talking about it after I saw it, I was like, man, but the pacing was too slow and it just felt a little too deliberate. It but is then, a little slow. But then over time, though, we're still talking about it, and all I'm finding myself remembering is only the good parts. We were talking about it last night. We yeah. talked about it for like 20 or 30 and minutes I was, last night. And I, I was texting my brothers about it before then because I was like, man, Mandy was wild because yeah. I just wanted to have like a person to talk to about it. But yeah, it was very good. Absolutely go see this. You need a support um, group after you see it because it's so, uh, <laughs> so out Penos there. Cosmatos. This is his second film. I want to applaud him. Yeah. I'm hoping in yeah. the future we see some more stuff from Panos. Absolutely. Um, I'm rooting for you. It was it was absolutely um, unique to him and it was it was a vision and you can, yeah. you can see that for everything that it is and we, we highly recommend that one. Uh, next up, we have Fahrenheit 11.9, Michael Moore's latest and you know I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his, and I I really like uh, Bowling for Columbine. I think is like uh, an exceptional movie. Uh, Roger and Me. So I mean, there are some of his movies that I really really like a lot. Uh, this movie just didn't quite land for me. I'm kind of shocked to hear that. I'm a little <laughs> I shocked. I mean, uh, I, the thing is, I don't find it that shocking because to <laughs> me, this movie was just like so scattered. It just felt so like it was like, kind of all over the place. Did you like Fahrenheit 9/11? It was. It, it's not bad. I think the problem that I am finding with Michael Moore's stuff is that it's almost hyper partisan, and so and like or or just partisan. Maybe not hyper partisan. This movie wasn't particularly partisan. He made a point to to bash Obama and just, Clinton, just as as even too. yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, but there's something about his filmmaking that seems like everyone's minds are you know most people's minds are already made up and so this movie is kind of like preaching to the choir i feel and there's part of that that makes it less vital to me it's like well is this even necessary at this point because the only people you're really talking to are people who haven't been turned off by your first five or six movies and just completely disagreeing with you you know what i mean yeah but it's hard to make a movie that's going to sell i mean or or convey the idea for change if you're only communicating in a way that seems to speak to like this kind of person, and that's that was my biggest complaint, and then my second big ex- big- biggest complaint would be that uh, it touched on way too much stuff. It just wasn't focused at all. There was no like center. It was just like, oh, here's Flint, Michigan. Here's the water crisis there. Oh, and then here's Donald Trump, and here's his obsession with Ivanka, and then here's like it was just like I, I don't know. And then here's I, Nazi I kinda, Germany. I kind of disagree a little. I think uh, it all kind of built into it. So the Flint, Michigan. But what's, so what's the point? The whole Flint, Michigan. Um, <laughs> Flint, Michigan. The whole Flint, yeah. Michigan bit was that Obama went there and did like one thing, and he all he was trying to say was Donald Trump was the only other politician that went there, and so to those people, it seemed like for some reason, like he. But but they, what's just, the greater it, it point? All built I don't, into I don't, how we got here. How did and we where get we here? Are. You think yeah. that's the point? Is like how did we get here? Well, that's where... like the first half is like everything that led up to the 2016 election, and then See, everything I, that's gone on since. I don't feel like that was particularly well articulated in the movie at all. I, like I, 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 like there was a time in the beginning where he's like, "How the fuck did we get here?" And I thought that that was hilarious. <laughs> like I actually laughed out loud. I was like, "Yeah, like that's really funny." But then he felt like the next hour of the movie didn't quite explore that. It just felt like. 
It just was such a scatter shot. There was a lot of stuff in that movie. Tons of content as far as just different different scenes in America. And so yeah. if if it had solely focused and I I mean that's not to say this is there's a right or wrong way to do this, but I feel like I would have had an easier time understanding and just a better time at the movies had there been a clear view for me as an audience person of like what he's trying to say because it just felt really scattered to me. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can I, agree I, with you on that. Yeah, I, I, mean, thought, I thought it was so. Michael, well, I, I'm we're not, not alone gonna, in we're thinking not gonna, that. I'm not alone in thinking that. There have been a good. No, I'm sure. Uh, there have I'm, been a good amount of of people who've kind of felt the same way and walked away from it with the same kind of view. I'm sure there are, but as just a moderate viewer of Michael Moore films, I haven't seen all of them, but and the I narration. Feel like, I feel like he does bring up good questions. I'm. Not, I don't agree with him 100 percent on anything. I agree. Uh, All not, those things gonna... I agree with. But uh, the only thing I'm saying is that the pacing of the movie, jumping from point to point to point to point, it's nonlinear and it's pretty frantic. The editing is like, they're they're jumping from point to point to point to We're point. We're in frantic times. You got to edit. Yeah, and edit I get that. But it just does, it didn't like, and I and, and that's what the, the people who've observed this movie and come away with positive, they're like, oh, it's his most vital movie. It's like, there's so much content. He's all over the place. He's, he's so mad. And like, I get it. There's so much to be mad about, but like, let's articulate ourselves well so the people who aren't mad can maybe get an idea of like why we're mad because it felt like he's just talking to the other people who are mad and you you know what i'm trying to say i understand what you're saying and then the other thing was it with the narration it seems like he really likes the sound of his own voice now more than ever i'll I'll agree on that because just a little so he shows some old clips of where he's talking to donald trump he's like here's when i met mr trump for the first time and it was 10 or 15 minutes where he's just setting it up saying these are all the people in Trump's cabinet. These are other who people I've... that liked my movies. Yeah. And it, they're yeah. like talking about him being a great filmmaker. We're looking at the cast right Which... now just as Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there were, it's, it's obviously it's a documentary, so there's film of other people, but I just think that's fun. They're not famous. They don't <laughs> matter. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll give this movie three stars. It was better than it was bad. It wasn't right down the middle. It wasn't, it didn't split me. You know, right down the middle. I think it's better than it was bad. It's it's three stars. It it, it was not his best stuff by any means, in well, my opinion. Yeah, it's I'll, not his. I'll best agree stuff. on that. I mean, Roger and Me is like a a Classic. perfect. But so I mean, I would want to commend Michael Moore on his traditional documentary style. I think he has kind of revolutionized the game since he started. Yeah, he has, and a, he's pushed documentaries from. I mean, during during the 70s and 80s, there was, like, hardly any. And now we're at an age where there's documentaries about every single thing you He's could possibly made, imagine. He has made some, some... There have been some advancements made on his part for the genre. Right, and, just and for I that would commend study of him filmmaking. for that. Absolutely. This and that's not to take anything word. away from him. It's not... But it's just... It, this one wasn't a winner for me. It wasn't, like, his best. But what do you think... What would you give this? What, uh, what are you settling on? I'd give it a 3.5. I liked it. I think that's reasonable. I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, that's obviously, with the with the um, subject matter, with the filmmaker, you already know going into this you if know you're going to want to see it or not. We're not Absolutely. here to talk politics or to tell you uh, you know what to do, but I he would makes, say... But the thing yeah. is, regardless of your politics, Michael Moore does make pretty good movies. And, uh, yeah, and this that's isn't the, a bad that's movie. That's the point I'm trying this to make. This isn't a bad movie by any means. Yeah. And, and agree with his politics or not, maybe go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> There's way dumber things you can see than this. At least you might learn some stuff watching yeah, this. No, it's you're, not you're right. Tag or right, like right. one of those <laughs> other comedies out right now. So to review uh, A Simple Favor, Paul Feig, 
uh, Blake Lively, Anna Kendrick. That was what I settled on three stars. I think we both one. we both did. A that three. was fun. I mean, it, it wasn't bad. It was entertaining. It was pretty good, even. Uh, but just a little messy with the uh, the balance there. Panos Cosmatos uh, and Mandy. We're gonna. I'm, I, I, and I I I think four stars. It was really really good. Uh, and I find myself uh, continuing to come back to it. And I I think I'll try to watch it tonight. What do you, Are you? And you settled on four point five. I would say four point five. Uh, it's That's a, a it's like a review. visionary That's, statement. Go of see this, this movie because we're both in agreement. There's that not this is... enough stuff like this out there right. right now. There's a lot of big studio stuff. Well, and it's just not, as... I want to make a point to say that that. It's not just franchising that's responsible for this kind of filmmaking that we're kind of talking about, but I do think it has a lot to do with it, and I think that production companies tend to rely too heavily on movies that are just kind of a dime a dozen, and they're just very familiar to us. But what this isn't is familiar. Like, this is anything but familiar, and it's going to shake you up a little bit. It's going to give you an original sense of, like, Yeah, and it got, I mean, I feel like it is going to pick up traction. We talked about, like... You know the midnight movie classic. I think it's already the a cult, cult classic. following. I think this it's, got it's a, a, a five-minute applause after its right. uh, debut at the Cannes. And, and apparently Festival. at Sundance, it did very well too. And uh, I think people are going to start talking about it. It's going to be like a word-of-mouth movie, and maybe ten years from now, It'll fifteen find years its from audience, now, yeah. you're going to still hear about this movie. I agree. I think people will uh, always come back to. Also, Mandy. it uh, featured a King Crimson song that was, which <laughs> is really cool. Dope, and yeah. my sister's like the biggest King Crimson fan ever, so I just want to shout that out to my sister shout Catherine. Uh, watch this if you're a King <laughs> Crimson fan. Yeah, just go see that in general. Uh, and then the last uh, the thing that we talked about tonight was Fahrenheit 11.9, Michael Moore. Um, I gave this three stars. It was not bad by any means. It's just not his best. And when you settled on a three and a half. Three point five. I liked it a little bit more. Uh, And I just want to give out a parting shot to Sam Levinson, who directed the worst movie I've seen all year, (laughs) which is really saying something. Assassination Nation, just absolute shit. Just (laughs) the worst shit I've seen in a long time. Just teenage just violence against teenage young women just constantly like attempted rapes and attempted murders of young teenage women young transgender women so yeah just avoid this movie it was just absolute trash sam levinson i wish you had a twitter so i could tell you to toot my horn (laughs) (laughs) but uh you do not so yeah just avoid this movie it was absolutely terrible it was a zero for me uh, zero star. Yeah, dead, dead, dead last. Even worse than Slender Man. So just, just <laughs> avoid that. Uh, this has been movie night, <laughs> and we'll we'll see you out there. You should put that on Rotten Tomatoes. Even worse than Slender Man. <laughs> 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 <laughs>